Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to episode 306 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, September 19th, and I'm joined as often by Eric Cole. Hello, sir. Bradford, I have missed you. I have been looking forward to talking baseball with you. Uh, <laughs> great episode with Zach the other day, by the way. Uh, sounds like we're going to be actually doing something with Zach here pretty soon, too. And I was really excited to see that you had him on the show. So, uh, But I have missed you, to be sure. I got a text from Zach. This is probably, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this or not. It's okay. He'll have to deal with it. I got a text from Zach. I think it was Saturday afternoon, or maybe it was after the game yesterday. I can't remember. But he just he just calmly said, uh, record since Zach's appearance on the podcast, 0-4. Philly's record, 4-1. And I was like, all right, Zach, no more of you on the podcast. But no, I had fun, oh, I had fun talking to Zach. He's my friend. Um, <laughs> oh, he, oh he, I, I love Zach. Like, I truly, truly do. And, like, you know, he's been kind of doing more of the behind-the-scenes stuff lately. So, like, it was kind of cool to kind of, you know, Hear him back at it, and yeah, he tweets. You know. He tweets a lot. You just don't know it. He's on the. Uh, he's the one tweeting from the ballet account most it, it, of the time. So yeah, yep, yep. He's the one that's like shadow banning uh, Braves fans and stuff like that too. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Legend. Anyway, so yeah, I, if you, I've outed you, Zach. I've outed you. If anybody missed that podcast or anything else from the podcast feed or Road to Atlanta, which Eric hosts, or the Daily Hammer, which is plug. usually Sean Coleman, all on this same podcast feed. So if you're a new listener, welcome aboard, and uh, please subscribe. You get three podcasts for the price of one, and that price is zero dollars so uh all right eric let's let us dive in to this week it was not the best week in the world i am glad we didn't record last night um number one because it would have been midnight uh, or later and also because it would have been a lot more dire uh it's still not going to be the most sunshine rainbows podcast probably of all time but the braves did pull out a nice win today on sunday afternoon to kind of save the bacon a little bit uh we'll get into the details but uh how, how you feeling about the baseball right now eric overall to be honest, it feels a little bit like regression to the mean a bit, just because like the Braves had that stretch where like they just couldn't lose a game, right? <laughs> and we were all very concerned that, about being like, it's fortunate that you know no one in the National League East has really wanted to win the division all year long. But you know, when you lose the quality of bats like Marcelo Zuna and, and Ronald Acuna Jr., you're just gonna have stretches where like the offense just doesn't do enough. And this is also the time of the year where like you start to see, you know, teams start to get, you know, players start to get tired and things like that. And so it, this has looked at times like a tired team. It has looked like a team that has like kind of struggled to find offensive consistency, uh, like consistency out of the bullpen, which is like, again, not a weird thing to have happen late in the year. It just couldn't have happened at a worse time when, you know, the, the Phillies go on a bit of a run, you know, Bryce Harper is like making a very strong <laughs> run for the NL MVP. And, you know, the, the Braves really kind of need to be able to hold them off 
to kind of make the end of the month a little less interesting. And instead now we find ourselves with, you know, a very, very small lead in the division and a but concern that they won't necessarily be able to play. They won't be able to put another run together like they did necessarily. Like it's just going to come down to the, the last weekend of the season, which might, I think is, I think it's still in play that like a, a game 163 is possible for this team. And you know, that's enough for this jaded Braves fan to, you know, have a certain amount of nightmare fuel to be sure. Yeah. I mean, they famously went 12 and one from August 8th until August 22nd. Uh, they went 12 and one the rest of the season. They are 65 and 69. So essentially they've been yep. a 500 or below team other than two weeks in August. And it's kind of weird to talk about because at the same time, and we'll get into this later on as well on the podcast today, but they're also pretty clearly the best team in the division. Like, on paper, they have the best run differential. They have the lead right now. It's very weird to talk about, and I find myself saying that over and over again, but it's the best way that I can describe it is because this is a team that is uh, performing and for the season is going to finish under expectations for the season, preseason. And yet they're still the favorite to win the division, and they are still pretty clearly the best quality team on paper. So it's this very strange overall campaign yeah, it's a weird it's a- um and then you throw in this this week too which was obviously maddening so we, we'll get into it but like for instance and we'll fly through these because these happened a while ago but they lose back-to-back one-run games to the rockies at home and the rockies are terrible on the road they score six runs in those two games um just kind of a not like disastrous results but results that can sting you and especially in the middle of a race um and i mean it wasn't like a, i guess it wasn't a sweep, but kind of what? I mean, it was it ended up being a two-game series because Thursday got rained out. Um, and by the way, rained out's a generous term. We'll come back to this in a second. But oh uh, yeah, 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 horrifically mismanaged the day before to result in yeah, know, not basically, uh, basically being impossible to play that that next day. Yeah. yeah. So so you lose those two games, and that it doesn't. It's not the worst thing in the world on on paper or in a vacuum, but given the circumstances and where you are in September, like you don't need to lose home games to the Rockies. And then, you know, Thursday's game <laughs> doesn't happen. Uh, basically, they played through three hours of driving rain on Wednesday, uh, where they could have just, like, not played that game and played both on Thursday and been fine, probably. They pushed back two hours. I tweeted this when, when it happened, but when was the last time you saw a public announcement pregame that essentially admitted that the field wasn't going to be ready, so we're going to start two hours later? Like, that never happens. And then they no. had to postpone the game not, anyway not in the majors yeah i mean well, not in the, so i so as a follower of the florida fire frogs for uh <laughs> when they were when they were the uh the minor league the Braves minor league affiliate this that that did happen more but obviously like we're talking about a different caliber of like a different situation entirely right it's minor league baseball v- venue like, slash the, grounds crew yeah it's all it's all different. yeah, yeah everything i mean like <laughs> to Call the drainage situation at a lot of these minor league parts terrible would be very generous, right? Like we see like moats that are what used to be dugouts a lot uh, <laughs> down there in the minor leagues. So like weird things like that have happened, but in the major league level, no. And it's just, I mean, and I mean, uh, our fearless leader Chris Willis, he was like talking about this like throughout the night and the and that morning. He's like, there is no like he's like the field looks terrible right now. They shouldn't be playing right now. And there's no way that field's going to be ready and dry by tomorrow. And we're all like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then they're like, we'll push back the start time. And I'm like, I don't know. If it's a swamp, I just don't see two hours fixing yeah, it. Yeah, two don't... hours was not going to fix the problem. Uh, that was a, it was a weird, 
honestly, I'll be other than what Chris was saying, I didn't really think about it until they until they tweeted that it was going to be delayed two hours, and I was like, two hours is not going to fix this problem, I don't think, and then obviously it didn't. And we're talking about this now because number one, because it's weird and funny, but also because. The Rockies don't come back to Atlanta. They don't come near Atlanta again the rest of the year, and they don't have a shared off day. So, essentially, that game either isn't going to be played, which is possible, and Braves fans are hoping that it's not played probably, or they're going to have to play it on October 4th, which is the day after the season ends. And hopefully that game – because if, if, if that game happens, it's because it has to happen and because it matters, which means suddenly you might have this like weird – you know, need to win to stay alive game against the Rockies. <laughs> yeah, one one game wild card playoff against the Colorado Rockies. And in fairness, I mean, look, like this this Braves team has been maddeningly bad in like one run games this year, just in general. That's not like a unique thing to the Rockies, but the Rockies had like, I, and I know how bad they're. I, I made fun. I made fun of them myself because they were beating up on the Phillies in the series before they went came and see, see the Braves. But like, they've actually been playing relatively decently of late. So like. I don't want to like make too much of like how bad like Colorado's been on the road because they truly have been terrible. But like lately they've been better. But you also don't want to be in a situation where and again like then it gets down to like you know they probably have to come back to Atlanta to play that game right and like that's that's just such a weird situation to me and especially since like the result of that game could theoretically result in a game one sixty three being played against the Phillies which would be like a true one game wild card playoff type type thing. And uh, it, th- there's a real chance this turns into a mess. So I, yeah, I, I don't know that that whole situation was obviously mishandled. And I don't, I'm sure the league had a lot to do with this. They want to make sure these games get played, uh, particularly with, you know, the Braves having to fly out when they had to, to got to go on this West coast series with San Francisco. Like, again, if they, if they didn't have to go to the West coast, they probably could have just, maybe they could have like bought more hours yeah. and then just figured it out. But like, it was a West coast trip. Like there's just no, they had the, to go. The handling of yeah, the the handling of game two was the was the biggest problem, and unfortunately, now we're kind of in a situation where a team that like you know has beaten you beaten up on you a bit recently has some dangerous hitters on it at the very least, and might be motivated to spoil your season in a one game you know for one game. Let's just hope that that game doesn't matter. Let's yes. just, let's just kind of let's just kind of you know. You know, prayers up for that. But you know, beyond that, you know, I don't really have big takes other than the Braves didn't look really good in that, particularly good in that series. It wasn't good. wasn't certainly wasn't good to lose those games. But what I'm more concerned about is kind of what this could ultimately lead to at the end of the season. Yeah, and and the reason why they may not play, other than just the obvious of like if the Braves are up two games in the National League East, uh, they will have already clinched the division at that point when, when they could have played the game October fourth. And beyond that, uh, this is not a season in which you know, the NL East champion is going to be worried about playoff seeding because they are very, very, very behind the Central champ and the West champ. So there's no, like, whoever wins the NL East will be the three seed. Like, there's no question about it. So um, that's just the reality. So there's no, like, weirdness there either. So it's essentially, if the game matters to the Braves, they'll play it. If it doesn't, they won't. And uh, fingers crossed they don't have to play. Um, Other than that, we'll get into Friday because obviously the Daily Hammer has covered all those games in detail. Um... Friday's game has not been covered on this podcast just yet, and Friday's game was a wild one. Um, lots of uh, it was late. People were people that were watching were living and dying, but also I know I know it was quite late when this was all happening. But Cliff Notes version: the Braves take the lead on a three-run homer by Travis Darno, and everyone celebrates wildly. And then 
Uh, with two strikes and two outs, Will Smith, everybody's favorite son, allows a solo home run for the tie. Um, the Will Smith special. Yep. yep. Yes. So uh, my thoughts on Will Smith are well documented. Uh, I've, I've been painted as a Will Smith defender, which is fine. Uh, my, my only take is that he's not as bad as everybody thinks he is. I still stand by that. But listen, it was not great. He allowed a game tying home run. Um, I will say before I let you rebut, um, the Giants have been ridiculous this season at just like doing this. And that's not like an excuse for the Braves, but the Giants have like this team of destiny vibe where like they're not as good as everyone thinks that they should be on paper. Like you look, you look at the record and then the roster and it's like, what? Uh, but the Giants just keep doing crazy stuff like this. So they did it. Uh, but let's, let's stop here because I have not heard your Will Smith take on a podcast. So are you in uh, fire Will Smith into the sun mode and have a pitch in the fifth inning? Uh, what's, your, what's your thoughts on the closure situation right now? Knowing that, by the way, he did, he did save today's game. One, two, three. Shocking. Oh, oh, and that sample size is going to change my opinion one way or the other. Well, I, sure. I know it wouldn't, but I, I, I wanted to always preface that, listen, he had, he had, he had a clean inning, and there was, like a month, there was like a month of time when like the most popular phrase on Twitter was clean inning, which I, I don't understand when that decided to be a thing. But clean innings were a talk of the town, and hey, clean inning today. Well, it's, <laughs> it's kind of, I have feelings about Will Smith, and you may remember this. I have similar feelings to about Will Smith. That I feel about. Remember when Jose Valverde was the closer for the the Tigers? Oh God! And yes. Like this and is, and he was perfect. like leading the league in saves, which is a state a stat that no one should care about. And I did think that the like the beat writers kind of like in unison, you know, quoting how many saves that Will Smith has and like citing his current his ERA as something that was good in a high leverage situation. Uh, that that was silly to me. I do think that a lot of the, the Will Smith stuff is a bit overblown, but it is it, the same thing with Valverde is like, it was never easy. It was always like a base runner or two. And like, he had to like battle back and like, you know, like it'd be like first and third with one out and he'd like figure a way out of it. And like, there's value in doing that. But I think the problem that I have with Will Smith in particular is that his problem isn't just like, you know, it's not just like a hit and a walk. It's not, you know, like dealing with multiple base runners and just constantly being in trouble. The trouble he gets into is the long ball. And that's really problematic when you're in like already not good and cannot hit late in situations where your guy that you're bringing in ostensibly in high leverage situations, which in reality, he pitches the ninth inning. He's not like necessarily pitching against the heart of the lineup. He, he's not being thrown that way. Snicker just treats Smith as just the ninth inning guy, as opposed to his best reliever against the most important part of the lineup. Right. Yep. So, um, but when you have problems with your offense, late in games and in close games, and the guy that's supposed to get the last three outs is a guy who is, it's not a lock that he'll give up a home run, obviously, but it's far more frequent than it should be. That is problematic. And I think that, <sighs> <laughs> How do I put it? I would certainly be willing to entertain the idea of giving other guys a chance. And like, guy, look, I I am shocked that I am saying these words out loud, but Luke Jackson has been legitimately good. Yeah. And uh, and you know, there's other guys on this roster that I may I might be willing to give a chance in some of these situations in the ninth inning, just to like try to get something. Because again, the the long ball problem is a uniquely bad problem for this team because in close games like the the mistakes that Will Smith is going to make are going to tie or lose the game. The mistakes that maybe other guys do where it's like it's far more interesting word than it needs to be, that might not necessarily be the case. Now I'm not like advocating like you know like bring bring back Josh Tomlin or anything like that, but at the same time like 
you know, maybe you look and see what you have with maybe giving Matzik a chance or something like that. Like some of these other guys that maybe don't have the exact same problems that Will Smith does, at least until they can figure out what's wrong with him. Because again, it's just like when he makes a mistake, it is fat and it's in the zone and it goes 430 feet away. And it's been happening fairly frequently. And that's a problem. Yeah, he threw about a million sliders in a row, which is on Friday, which was just a bizarre choice. Like he just finally, you know, he hung one, but it was weird. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not even going to give you the stats. Like it, his stats are better than people think they are. And, but it's also maddening. And, and I know, and I know, it, I mean, he, I, yeah, he, he, he is not like a guy that's like they're running out there with an eight, eight ERA. No, and that's, that. uh, no, he's that's not. My, my whole, my whole thing is always, it's just been like the reactions to Will Smith are like, are like he has ADRA and he doesn't. But I also, uh, my, I guess the other part of my brain understands because it's been bad and there've been high profile mess ups and home runs just stand out. And he's allowed about a home run and a half per nine innings, um, which is a lot. Um, for a closer in particular. So all that stuff, like, I mean, it's uh, not going to change pretty clearly at this moment. Uh, he's going to have to blow up some more. Oh, I mean, you know, that, that's that's just his job. That's just, just what he's in doing. reality, I mean, that's, we mentioned this with Zach last week as well, but I thought it would probably take at least, just knowing Snicker as we kind of do, I thought it would probably take a couple more blow-ups for him to lose his job. And uh, as we saw today on Sunday, he was rolled out there in the ninth. Granted, it was a three-run lead, but that was a Snicker uses my closer situation, and he put him out there. Um, so he's not lost his job yet. Uh, if he's going to lose his job, he hasn't, it hasn't happened yet. So there you go on that. Um, all right, we'll leave it there. I know we, we did a lot of a lot on Will Smith the last couple of weeks, but I wanted to get Eric's thoughts. So you mentioned uh, – the high leverage offensive stuff. We'll get into that in a second, but uh, the Braves go one, two, three in the tenth inning after after the game is tied. And this is a stat that Gabe Burns tweeted out. Uh, shouts to Gabe. Uh, the Braves. This is ridiculous. The Braves are two for thirty-seven at the plate in the tenth inning this year. Now, obviously, yeah. that's, that's 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 one inning, but uh, you're here. Here's the deal. If you have in this new extra innings format with a runner on second base, you are supposed to score more often than you're not supposed to. <laughs> the score. Uh, it, when you go two for 37 in the 10th inning, there's sample size noise. I'll be the first person to say that. But that, it's just breathtaking. Honestly, I, I, I've looked at that stat like 10 times in the last two days. It's insane. Two, two for 37 in the 10th inning. <laughs> I don't even know what to I say. Mean, like you, you, and you say that there's sample size noise, but that's like a, a good number of, of at-bats in, in the 10th inning too. It's not like, you know, like, you know, like over the course of like five seasons, because like extra inning numbers are always going to be a little weird because they just don't happen particularly frequently. Right. But at the same time, like that is really stark. Two for and thirty-seven, I, and 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 part of that, and again, something that I kind of keep coming back to in my mind is like the guys who are supposed to be two among your two best hitters on the team are not playing right now. And you know, when you're kind of when you're doing that, and you have, you know, you basically had to like piece together a lineup with some trade act, trade deadline acquisitions that have been good but have like come some have come back to earth recently it's not that surprising that one of the things that's the most maddening things about this team is like offensive inconsistency and you know why that happens in the 10th inning and why they decided that late in games they've just completely forgotten the hit i don't have a great answer to um you know other than you know maybe there's the only th the things other than like the hitters just can't figure it out or they get gassed or something which i find hard to believe that other than it's just kind of a weird statistical thing is that like maybe the scouting reports on the opposing relievers aren't what doing what they need to be doing. Uh, and in regards to like how the, how brave sitters are supposed to be attacking them and things like that. But you know, beyond that, it's just, it's a weird thing about this team. It's just like, 
late in season or late in games, <laughs> you just have a lead because you can't necessarily you're not going to get those big walk off hits from this team very often. No, it's been weirdly bad, and I'll share some numbers in a second. Um, as for Friday night, though, to close this loop, uh, they actually escaped um, the Pain. tenth. The tenth, uh, despite walking the bases loaded on purpose for matchup purposes, uh, it worked. I didn't, I didn't love it, but they they got out of that. Um, but then they go one, two, three again in the eleventh without moving the runner to third. So a runner starts in second base in the tenth and eleventh inning and does not move off second base. Uh, that's really bad. And then Jacob Webb comes in, and we like Jacob Webb, but uh, he commits an error on a pickoff throw that was a weird play. Then they intentionally walk, and then uh, base is loaded. And Kevin Gosman, old friend. The revenge pin- tour. Pinch, yep. hit, pinch hit walk-off <laughs> for Kevin Gosman. Uh, just yep. a bizarre game. Um, my, this is this is nitpicky for this, for this weekly episode, but uh, Webb threw a 2-2 changeup to Kevin Gosman, which I don't understand. Uh, he missed with that and then kind of had to be careful. 3-2 and kind of threw like a pretty fat fastball that got the uh, end result. I just kind of went off there, but that bothered me a little bit. And with the loss, the Braves fell to 4-9 and nine in extra innings this year. Bad for a good team. Far, yeah, far, a far cry from, you know, last year's team where they found ways to win games. They were down like 8-0 in the third inning. It's and, been their trademark for like the whole, yeah, like, that, yeah. that's like one of like what's one of the snicker, like, things that he is credited with and you can say you know wh- yep, whether, never, he, whether never, he should be or not but yeah never never give up never surrender yeah i mean and listen uh that happens across baseball that the manager gets credit for that so i'm not i'm not picking on it it's just that's one of the things and this year uh it's they've not been great in these close games and they've kind of not i mean that's how you end up with a run, with a run differential of like 100 uh when you're 77 70 so um to to the numbers that I, that I teased a second ago uh, the high leverage offense stuff, this is all coming into today, so it's probably a little bit better than this now. Um, but they were dead last in baseball as of last night in late close batting average. Basically, that means like seventh inning or later in a game that was close. That's they lose a long definition, but I'll go through that later if I need to. Uh, they were hitting 185 in those situations. They're also bottom three or five in the league in OBP and slugging, OPS. All of that in late close situations. They all, they're also uh, 20th in baseball in high leverage. If you uh, go by what Fangraphs describes as high leverage, so they're really bad at all this stuff. And the one in particular that I know kills people all the time is when you have a runner on third base and less than two outs, um, which they had again today, by the way, and did not score, but it didn't end up mattering. Um, they have a 45.7% scoring rate in that situation, which is 27th in baseball. So all those numbers paint the picture of what you already said Eric is that they've been bad at this but the numbers it's not just anecdotal I know I feel like a lot of the time in baseball it's a long season you remember this stuff and maybe it's not always true but this one actually is true they've just been bad in big spots all year yeah and the the runner on third with less than two outs like that's almost become a meme with this team right like I actually that number doesn't surprise me at all I I almost would have like guessed like 40 percent because there seems to be a lot of situations where, you know, slow rollers that, you know, or like base running mistakes. This team has made several of those. Uh, Eddie Rosario uh, made a particularly poor choice today, uh, trying to run home on, on, a, on a ground ball that he shouldn't have been trying to, um, you know, just, and again, it's not, this isn't like a smart baseball, you know, chip carry, you know, just put the ball in play and hope something happens. It's like, you, you just have to convert, like you have to get sack flies you know, you have to be able to, like, get hits in spots with guys in scoring position. Um, you know, obviously you prefer them the extra base hits and things like that, but it's just, for whatever reason, it's just this team just has really, 
really struggled to do that. And, you know, some of that has, you know, some of this has been inflated a bit by a really particularly poor lineup that the Braves were having to roll out for a while there. I mean, when Abraham Almonte and Guillermo Heredia and guys like that are getting a lot of at bats, you know, <laughs> you know, famously Kevin Smith, guys, guys like that, you know, th- and those are the guys that come up the plate with one out with a runner on third, the results are very often not going to be very good. So like some of that's inflated by that doesn't necessarily reflect the current state of the Braves lineup, but at the same time, we saw that situation happen today. They spent most of the week not being able to get much done offensively. It's, you know, it's definitely a thing that's a problem. And, you know, if they really wanted to kind of, you know, make a run and hold, both hold off the quote unquote surging Phillies uh, and, you know, possibly <laughs> make some, and possibly make some noise in the uh, uh, playoffs. Like they're going to have to figure out how to basically hit relievers. Cause that's been the biggest problem. It's like they can, they seem like they can always put runs up on starters, but against relievers, like, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a scouting report problem or if it's just a, you know, whatever it is, whatever weird voodoo that's a curse has been put on them, they just haven't been able to get the job done. Yeah, I don't really have any analysis uh, other than the fact that this is a lineup that definitely, um, particularly post deadline, and uh, we love what they did at the deadline. It's obviously helped them quite a bit. But guys yeah. like guys like Solaire and Duvall and Peterson do not help you in the situational hitting categories. Those guys are power no. guys. Um, and I'm not complaining about that. Those guys are upgrades of what you had. But when you factor in those guys plus, plus, plus what they already had, it does make some sense. Now, I think they've been worse than you would expect at the same time in these situations. But this is not a lineup that I would describe as being extremely well built for like getting a single when you need it kind of lineup. You know what I mean? It's it's more of a boom bust kind of lineup, and that's okay. Bring back Marquez. Uh, I'm not Bring saying back that whatsoever. Marquez. But uh, <laughs> I just it is worth pointing out. I'm, again, that's not even a criticism. I just think that you kind of get what you get on some level, even if there is uh, this is worse than we would have thought, um, even with all those caveats. All right, before we get to Saturday and Sunday, and there's a lot to get to in those two days, plus a look ahead to the rest of the season. By the way, there's two weeks left in the season. Um, all that said, we'll get to that in, all, in a second, but first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, Eric, uh, Saturday, less fun, less exciting. Um... 2-0 loss. Honestly, not a whole lot to like pick apart. Morton was pretty good. Not dominant, but pretty good. Bullpen was good. They didn't score. Uh, and both Giants runs scored on a 59-mile-an-hour flare to right field. That is uh, on brand for all parties involved. The Giants just like do this stuff. But again, 59-mile-an-hour flare for both runs in the game. Well, it was made worse by the fact that like 
Freddie Freeman hit a ball 110 miles an hour, and that was a double play. And yep. there was just like it was, of, it was one of those of, nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially if we remember some of those early season games where it just felt like the Braves were just hitting the crap out of the balls right at guys every single night. Like, that, that is what that game felt like. It was just a lot of hard outs, just couldn't get – I mean, like, Brendan Crawford's made some good plays in this series too, um, and – it's just that that one that one did not feel good at all because it felt like even though it was a two oh loss and you can rightfully blame the offense for not getting the job done and ultimately converting. Um, because again they had they even had some chances despite some of those loud outs. They just didn't convert, but at the same time, like a lot of those a lot of those outs they had gotten that could have really gotten kept some innings going just were some really unfortunate bad bit of luck. So it is what it is. Yeah, it's just one of those nights, and they had a, a huge chance in the third. They had first and third with no outs, and four, five, six, the lineup coming up, and they didn't score a run. Like, that's – those are ones where you, you just can't have that. I mean, no, there's no excuse to not score a run in that situation, and that just didn't happen. And uh, with that said, that was their fourth straight loss. They scored five – and they and sorry, they, they lost those four games by a total of five runs. It was three one-run losses and a two-run loss. Um, and at the same time as those were happening, Philadelphia won four in a row. So – as of Saturday night, late, the lead in the division was down to one. Um, and, by the way, it could still be one at the end of today because Philadelphia is playing right now as we're talking. So we, we don't have to resolve that, but they're actually leading at the moment as we record this at one nothing in the fourth inning. So, nightmarish stuff. And uh, as we teased earlier on in the podcast, Sunday, um, the win definitely helps to buttress the feeling on this podcast. Uh, before we get into the game, what did you think of uh, Snicker going back to Jock Peterson leading off for the first time since September 1st and only the second time since July 31st? So Peterson has not been leading off for like seven weeks now, and uh, today was the day they changed that. Well, I mean, he played well today, so that was always good. I think the bigger problem is just that Ozzy hasn't been performing very well in the leadoff spot, and he historically hasn't just been that guy. He's not He's not like a big – he's certainly not a draw-you-walks guy. Uh, that He goes up there hacking, and, you know, and, this, and I'm – Let's be clear. I'm a big, I'm pro Ozzy Albies, but you know, in terms of being a leadoff hitter, it's just not something that's necessarily suited him. I don't think. And yep. that's kind of now in fairness too. I mean, Jock hasn't hit particularly well either. So, you know, it never felt like there was a particularly easy solution other than just going strictly play your best hitters at the top of the lineup and get the most at bats for them, which right now would be like Freddie Freeman one, Austin Riley two, which I will guarantee you that there's no chance at all that Brian Snicker is going to pack Freddie Freeman leadoff. So no, it's just never going to happen. So I, I, I like the uh, doing a bit of a change and, you know, getting, trying to get Jock going and he had a good game today. So uh, it seems like it kind of worked out, worked out, but like this, I never, I was never in the camp of like, you know, you absolutely have to make this change and put Jock back because like Jock wasn't hitting particularly well. And that's not necessarily the, if a guy's really scuffling, he's not necessarily the, the guy that you want to be running out there, you know, as your first hitter, getting the most at bats in the game either. So uh, again, nice to him. I mean, trying to get something going, making making a bit of a change. This is a team that lost four games in a row. And, you know, for at least today, it worked out. Yeah, I didn't mind any of it. Um, we've long said that they do not have an ideal leadoff hitter without Ronnie. Uh, that's still the case. So I'm fine with, with shaking it up. But I thought it was at least noteworthy because it just hasn't happened in a while. Uh, and then they win the game. So it kind of had the same vibe as, as Saturday for a while. Um, just some blown opportunities. They uh, actually wasted, I believe, three extra base hits in the first, like, five innings without scoring a run. And then uh, Adam Duvall and Eddie, Eddie Rosario go back-to-back um, to give the Braves the lead that they would never relinquish. Um, and the two lead stories, other than the win, were uh, Max Free was awesome. 
in this game. Seven innings of scoreless baseball, and Eddie Rosario hit for the cycle, which is like yeah, it, it, it snuck up on me. It came out of nowhere. I didn't even think. I honestly had forgotten that like he only needed the single when he got, when he got, when he got it in the ninth. So I'll be honest. I, I had a note on the on the dock that we uh, used for the podcast that said Rosario had double triple home run, and I I was watching football and doing other things, and it was on. And then I saw, I didn't even see him get it actually alive. It was on the TV, but I, I wasn't looking at it at the time. And I'm like, oh, that's, he's on, oh, that's a, that, 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 that's, that's a cycle. <laughs> I had this whole like thing, like, oh, he just hit yeah, the cycle. Uh, so shout out to Eddie, Eddie Rosario. Like the cycle, you know, I can, I'm not the biggest like cycle guy, but it's still rare. Like it doesn't happen every day. Yeah, like it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a very it's weird, neat. cool thing that he gets to say that he did in the, in the major leagues. And uh, that was awesome. And it came in a win. And a big win that was very helpful. His home run helped him win. And then Adam Duvall, by the way, uh, still leads the National League in RBI. He has 36 home runs. He has an active 15-game winning streak. So winning streak, hit streak. Uh, Adam Duvall, legend. Um, yep, he he was great. Braves wouldn't pay him five million dollars. <laughs> Non-tender. Uh, no, but honestly, it was a perfect storm. I mean, Max Freed with a huge, huge effort today that yep. cannot be overlooked um, to keep it at zero zero as long as it was. Uh, I'm sure had some you know mental help for the Braves because they, they just couldn't they couldn't score. I think they scored one run in like 25 innings since Friday night to like the seventh today. Basically, they just couldn't score, and uh, it was very helpful to have Max go out there and just basically throw a gem. That was massive. And uh, again, you don't you, I don't want to overstate it, but it was to this moment the biggest start of the season by anyone um, on the mound for the Braves, and he threw a uh, gem. So there you go. Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, you know you. It, the, the, I, w- I wish that Max was missing more bats like he kind of was in previous years, but he's really done a good job this year of just like managing games and like the, he's been doing a good job about getting weak contact. So like the starts don't aren't like the sexy like ten innings, you know, ten strikeouts and six inning type starts anymore, or has at least hasn't been this year. But he's like done a. I think he's been a surprisingly good for this season based on like you don't necessarily think about it until you start looking at the numbers and look at the starts he's had to put up for the Braves and he's just been consistently good and they've needed him to be with, you know, Mike Soroka out and they've, you know, they have, they've really kind of had these guys hurt or, you know, rotating in and out of that, out of the rotation with injuries and, or just not playing particularly well. So we'll, you know, I, I continue to have high hopes for Max. I, I have, thought highly of him ever since he was in the minor leagues, you know, just pitched really, really well in a spot that the Braves really, really need him to. Cause again, Braves don't, if the, if the Braves lose this game today, uh, there is a very good chance, particularly since the Phillies opponent today is the Mets who, if there's a team that wants to win the division less than the Phillies, it's the Mets. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, it, it was good to see. It was good to see a, a good, uh, it, I mean, Will Smith was legitimately very good in the ninth inning too. So both of those things were great. Um, you know, Eddie Rosario's cycle, you know, I would be an advocate of a little bit of an asterisk because if you get a, a, a triple and then you toot bland yourself out of a run, uh, you know, then, you know, maybe, maybe that needs to be made note of, but beyond that, like, I mean, a cycle is a, you know, by any measure, a really good game. So, you know, really happy for him. Uh, Duvall's always been nuts. Uh, they need to bring him back and, you know, just stop messing around with him because uh, he is, you know, I don't think he's not like a a lock of an everyday player or anything like that. He certainly has his warts as a player, but, you know, that that dude comes up with big home runs. He's come up in big spots for this team in multiple seasons now. So just just bring him back. He's, he's a guy you worth keeping around. Yeah, Duvall's been ridiculous. Uh, I will say Max Free had a slow start to the season. Um, his ERA is 3.31 now. Like, he's come... All the way around. 
Super, super, super consistent. Yeah, I don't think I even realized it until I looked it up just now. I was thinking probably a little bit higher than that in the threes. But, you know, last year he was famously awesome and was their only starting pitcher basically for like three months. Um, but this year, I think he just threw everybody off the scent. The, the Robbie that, Erlin years. Yeah, yeah. That, that early hiccup threw everybody off the scent, including me. But, you know, an ERA in the three threes uh, is nothing to sneeze at for Max. So he's been awesome this year. Um, okay, let's look ahead a little bit now. As, we, as I said a second ago, we're recording this. It's about 9 p.m. Eastern on uh, yeah, Sunday, Sunday the 19th. So the Mets and Phillies are playing the night game. So my apologies for not waiting this out, but Eric can't go. Eric can't be up till midnight. I can't, I can't ask I, him to do I, that. I'm, I, I'm old. I'm sorry, guys. It's okay. So we're recording without knowledge of that result. With that said, there are two, two scenarios. So uh, the lead will be either one or it will be two. At the end of the night, if the Phillies win, the Braves lead by, will, will be uh, leading by one in the National League East. If the Phillies lose and they're winning right now, one nothing, it'll be uh, it'll be two. Uh, at this moment, with the result unclear, five thirty eight has the Braves to win the division at sixty nine percent, a very nice total, um, and then seventy three percent to make the playoffs. Uh, worth noting, Philly still has the easiest remaining schedule in baseball by a lot. They play Baltimore and Pittsburgh in the next seven games. Then they play the Braves, of course, and then they end with the Marlins. So Philly has a breezy schedule. Um, the Braves don't have the hardest schedule in the world, but it's not the Philly schedule. Um, so all that to say, the Braves are still favored to win the division, uh, both because they're leading the division and because of team quality. Oh, I did tweet this today uh, before the game started. Uh, Eric, you'll, you'll, love, you'll love to know this. The Pakota, our friends at, our friends at BP, as of this morning, had the Braves not favored to win the division, despite leading it. So they love the Braves. Over well, there. well, I mean, baseball perspectives hasn't predicted the Braves to win the division in like four years now, and you know that's not worked out particularly they, well. They for had them. they had them favored I, I, until until yesterday, until last night. Uh, that was they, they changed it back to Philly. I think it'll probably be back to the Braves after they won today. But uh, it was pretty funny to me. I, I always laughed at that. Well, I mean, you know, I, I have I have strong thoughts about Pakota. I'm pretty sure they designed that I system. Know. Like, they, they, I'm I. My conspiracy theory is like they look at the Mets roster and then they design a system based on like what would make them the most likely to win the division. But that's that's a different that's a different question entirely. Uh, you know, and these projection systems, especially with a race this tight, I mean, like I mean, honestly, they could very well be right just based on beat like the ease the of choices. Beat the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just I need the Mets to not be the Mets tonight. But ultimately, like. With a one, with when we're talking about a one or two game lead, like anything can happen. That series against the Braves is the one that you circle. Yeah. You know, protection systems aside, like the, you win that series against Philadelphia, you got. Well, especially, especially when you, okay, that's if you, what you need to. At, a, at minimum, on Monday morning, the Braves will have the division lead. It will be one or two. Um, so yep. with that said, they're they're favored in my view, regardless of the result tonight in the Philly game. Because I think, and I think you think as well, the Braves are the best team, and they'll have the lead. Um, with that said, that, that division, I mean, that uh, series against Philadelphia might well decide this thing. Uh, if you go out and get swept by the Phillies, you're in trouble. Um, if you sweep the Phillies, it'd be, it'd be very hard for the Braves to sweep the Phillies and also not win the East at this point. <laughs> it's not possible. It's, it's, it's not impossible. But it's, it's, uh, it'd be hard to do. So that would be a big series. And with the Braves' noted uh, <laughs> uh, historical dominance on these Westgate, West Coast, West Coast trips that they're currently on, yeah. Uh, so that, that I, I, 
I think that's in the cards, to be honest with you. This is a, I'm not saying it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's possible. I'm, I'm saying, if you told me right now the Braves sweep the Phillies in that three-game series, the Braves become like a 90% favorite to win the division. If, if we knew that, we obviously don't. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of damage that can be done pro or con in that series. Um, this is a weird week, though, before we get to that series, because, you know, if the Braves finish up with the National League East roundup of Phillies and Mets next week. But the coming week is uh, a weird one. So it's actually a seven-and-a-half game week, technically, yep. for the Braves. Yep. Uh, they play four in Arizona beginning on Monday, um, and then they finish with this week with three-plus games in San Diego because Friday is kind of a doubleheader. They're resuming a suspended game from July 22nd on Friday against San Diego, and the Braves are trailing 5-4 to four as the home team in the bottom of the fifth. So they're playing a home game in San Diego – Yes, you heard me correctly, um, as the early game on Friday. And then uh, they were actually down 5 nothing in that game and came back to 5-4, so maybe they'll come back. But uh, a weird one. So they'll have eight results this week, hopefully, barring weather. But it's going to be interesting. You know, Arizona's not very good, but you're going out there. The rotation is now set, um, at least except for Tuesday. So that's the next question I wanted to ask you. Monday they have Enoa scheduled to pitch, and then Wednesday Anderson, Thursday Morton. Tuesday is still TBD at this moment, unless they've changed it in the last hour and I didn't see it. Um, TBD. And there are only so many options for this start because Kyle Muller pitched Saturday in Gwinnett. Kyle Wright pitched today for Gwinnett. Um, Drew Smiley pitched one inning in relief on Saturday. Now, I guess that could have been a side session of sorts, but he did pitch on Saturday. And uh, Tukey's been dreadful lately. Um, We are a pro Tukey podcast, but 11 runs, 9 earned in his last three starts in only 10 innings. So his ERA is something like, you know, eight and a half. It's bad. Um, Eric, what do they do on Tuesday? Because that's not, it's like kind of a pretty, it's a, it's a pretty big game and they don't really have anybody to pitch on Tuesday. Uh, I think that the the smart move for me anyway is like have Tukey start it, but treat it like a bullpen game. With Smiley ready um, to go behind him? That's that's, that's, yeah, my, that's what I would do. Or at least, yeah, I, 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 might, I might even start Smiley, honestly. I trust Smiley, well, I trust Smiley more than Tukey. My apologies to everyone, I trust Smiley more. That's, that's closer than it should be right now uh, for me, and I, I don't have a particularly strong preference either way because I think that the, the – what – it doesn't – like, I would have such a short hook on both of those guys. Agreed. Um, so well, but the, pro- the problem is, though, matter. like, I, I agree with you, but also you're you're playing seven and a half games in seven days. So I, I know Snit is not going to want to wear his bullpen out a ton this week because they just don't have the bandwidth to really do that. Uh, that's yeah, at least I, part I, of the calculus, I think. I, I, I no longer care about that the last two weeks of the season. I agree with you. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking out loud on what, what he might be thinking yeah, about. Yeah. Like, well, I think I think he hopes that Tukey is can, good. Can pitch five. And, gives you, and then he goes five. Yeah. But based on everything we've seen from Tukey for, well, most of his career. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. That he's not that guy. He He's had, now he's had starts where he's gone five or six and we're like, wow. Tukey really needed that one. Maybe this is where the turnaround happens. And maybe that start happens on Tuesday. I'd be thrilled if it happens. That's not going to change my prognosis on Tukey long term. And you have a chance with that with Tukey, whereas, and in Drew Smiley's case, like there's a chance that happens too. But I've also been pretty vocal about the fact that I wouldn't necessarily be interested in seeing Drew Smiley, you know, especially two times through the order. But one time through the order lately has been, you know, Skeptical. Not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah he's, he's good. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting because you know a lot of the projections and there was nothing announced that they might that they might have like that kind of bullpenish game on Monday, but now it's going to be no on regular rest, so we don't really know or even have an indication what they're going to do on Tuesday. But that's one to circle for sure. I'm looking at the uh, betting market to see. Yeah, the Braves are currently favored in a couple of places um, for Monday's game, even with... Uh, you you know. gambling degenerate. Well, I'm just trying to give people the uh, the information. Hey, hey, follow, follow the money if you want to find the best information. That, that's, <laughs> that's the thing to do. I believe in that full, uh, wholeheartedly. So, I mean, realistically speaking, the Padres have been like kind of in free fall. Uh, they're still very talented, but they're not playing great, and that's over the weekend. Arizona, we kind of know the deal there. They're not great at all. Um, you, you need to go out and post some results this week. I mean, yep, you got you have to win the Arizona series. There's and... eight. I mean, there's eight games. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll frame it this way: to be to be positive, how many wins would uh, satisfy you this week, knowing that they will play eight games? Five and three. Yeah, that's probably what I would say as well. And you know, there is a small caveat that they are probably projected to lose that early game on Friday, knowing that they're down a run in what yeah, they're, 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 they're handicapped a run and they only have four innings to make up. that. Yeah. Game, so. so you would, you would imagine it's obviously winnable, but that's the one game on the schedule this week where you're like, definitely the underdog. Um, and maybe, maybe against the Padres, depending on the matchups, they could have another one where they go in as underdog. But regardless, um, yeah, I think any, five and three would any, be any good. series against a team that has both Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. on it is spooky. Yeah, I mean, they're not playing great, but there's a reason everyone thought they were going to be right in the middle of it uh, all year long in the, in the West. Um, I, I think they're going to probably pitch Jake Arrieta, though, who's probably the worst pitcher in baseball. So that's helpful. He's on the schedule, at least in terms of the projected TBDs. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think 5-3 and three is a good result. And if they go 5-3, and three, you know, nothing's assured. But I'm pretty confident they'll still have the lead a week from now if they go five and three. Uh, Philly has been good lately, and they, you know, they might even win tonight. Again, they're currently winning. Um, it's two nothing now in the fifth uh, against the Mets. So maybe they'll just keep winning every day. But I think they're probably going to cool off at some point. So if you go five and three this week, I feel pretty good. Yeah, uh, one other game that I was kind of looking at when we were talking about projected starters. Uh, one guy who hasn't been particularly good this year, but has a a quote-unquote no-hitter against the Braves this year is uh, Braves beat writer favorite Madison Bumgarner. So, oh, God. I forgot about that. So, you know, And Merrill again, Kelly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, again, th- th- this is a spooky week for me because, like, theoretically, I think that the Braves should be able to go 5-3. and three. Uh, I think that they're better than those both those teams uh, as constituted right now. I mean, San, San Diego's pitching situation is, like, you know, notably dreadful. Yep. Uh, but... But again, Arizona is certainly a better team at home than they've been on the road, and you know they they beat up on the Phillies for a while. So I, this is a spooky week. I still think the Braves can go five and three, but the, there's cause to uh, at least clench up a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I, I sort of talked around it because Arizona, like famously, like you just referenced, did beat up on the Phillies. Uh, they are the worst team in the National League this year by eight games right now. They are 48 and 101. Uh, they yeah, are, they are the second worst team in the, in the majors and they're only a game ahead of Baltimore for the worst record in the league. So Arizona is bad. Unequivocally. They're bad. Uh, uh, sweeping that series is something that should 
theoretically, like that would not be a surprising result, and that'd be a very welcome. Well, but yeah, the thing is, like, you can never project. I, I don't think in baseball you can really project a four-game sweep, but you can project three and one against against the Diamondbacks. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, yeah. but given the team quality, the Braves are definitely trying. Uh, the the Diamondbacks are certainly in wait till next year mode at this point in time. You know, three and one should be the expectation against Arizona, whereas you know four and zero, you can't really like say that's going to happen. I mean, it's definitely on, on the table as possible, but I don't think there's a team really ever that you can project a 4-0 result against in baseball. But 3-1, and one, I think, is a, a safe projection. If, if you maybe, like, guess the result of that series with my life on the line, I'd say 3-1 Braves. So, we'll see. Yeah. But And I will say that at five, anything less than 5-3 and three is disappointing, and I wouldn't say full panic mode, but... I mean, the, like, the pro- yeah, honestly, the, you, the big problem. You need to make it up. Yeah, yeah the, the the big problem is, in addition to Philly just playing better than they have really all year, is that Philly plays Baltimore and Pittsburgh at home this week. And as I just said, Baltimore's the worst team in the league. Pittsburgh is uh, on the short list of worst teams in the league, and those are all home games. Uh, so, the you know Philly could lose those games. Philly's capable of it. We've seen them against Arizona flop, but on paper, Philly's supposed to win more than they lose this week. Just at a minimum, so. Yep. It's uh. This is the like you're you're basically trying to hold ground and then. Yeah, you you want to go into the series. Yeah, you want to go into that series when they come to Atlanta the following week. If you're winning that, if you're winning the division, even if it's, even if it's by one, if you're winning the division as they arrive, you are the favorite to win the division. Yep. If you're not winning the division at that point, anything anything's possible, and that means this week is big because if the Phillies hang on and win tonight the lead's one, and that means the margin of error is very low. Um, that's just kind of what it is. It's the reality of the situation, and I still pick the Braves to win the division as of right now. Uh, they're favored to do so in the metrics and the projections that I trust more. They're not hugely favored anymore. Like, they had a watermark where they were, like, in the 80-plus percent range to win the division, yep. and now it's, like, closer to 60, which is not a small drop. Uh, but do you, you agree, Eric? I feel, I feel like you probably do, but do you agree that they're the favorite still? I think they're the favorite just because I, I also just don't trust Philly in general. Like, you know, they're us they're they they are a streaky team. It's just it's it's certainly spooky with this it being this close and there's a series that they have to play against the Braves, right? Like that's that's an easy place for them to make up ground, but you know, I still think the Braves are a better team, uh, which is really the kind of the most important consideration for me. Uh especially since like there's certainly some in theory, softer parts on both team schedules. Like the the Braves should be favored against the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks might not be as bad as Baltimore, for example. But you know, and the Padres aren't certainly aren't as bad as like Pittsburgh is. But neither team, neither of those teams are playing particularly well. So you should at least be able to keep pace with Philadelphia over the course of those games. Uh, ideally, you make up some ground, and then all of a sudden things get a lot less hairy. But you know, it, again, I I, I am quietly hopeful that you know they can they they can get it done and i am optimistic although i am certainly spooked a little bit quietly hopeful yet optimistic and spooked eric has run the gamut of emotions yeah on, i'm all over this place. podcast uh no i'm i'm i think we're all kind of in the same frame here i mean we are all uh, i'm in my atlanta sports doomsday mode uh i kind of reverse jinx adam duvall's home run today because i had just tweeted let's see how the braves uh, blow this opportunity to score a run with a lead after a leadoff double Austin rally so uh, I'm certainly in my bag. Right on, uh, yeah, on brand. Yep. Yeah, yep. we're all we're all there now. Like nothing's gonna be. I mean, we were all hoping that this is like a, a comfortable win. It, it still could be, but uh, 
it's less likely now than it was a couple weeks ago. Uh, a lot's changed for the for the worse, but still they're in a good spot. Um, and you know, to be famously optimistic as we are on this podcast, if you told us two months ago the Braves would be winning the division right now and in control, that would be a win. So yeah, I would not pick that to happen. I, no. I, I had I think we I think you and I like were right in that that ten percent range. Is like you were they were down and they lost Ronnie and well yeah they were they were famously in that range even in the projection models they were you know when you when you started factoring in the loss of Acuna and the continued absence of Ozuna and all that stuff like they were not supposed to be here and then they had the run of all runs and they won twelve or thirteen games and we're back to them being kind of in the middle again. So we'll see, Eric, but. uh a lots, uh, a lot to talk about. We'll be this is, I know this is sort of a, a sort of a nuts and bolts podcast because we're getting down to brass tacks. I mean, we'll get into playoff stuff. We get into playoff stuff, but for now, we're kind of chronicling the journey. Um, I know you have Road to Atlanta coming in the next uh, couple of days, probably. But the minor league season's like kind of ending with a thud, unfortunately, because <laughs> of like weather and weirdness. Yeah, so. uh, the Gwinnett got played, so we're excited about that. Um, but beyond that, the we do have the. Other than, you know, kind of this last recap of the all the, you know, quote-unquote games today, uh, which is kind of the end of the regular season for the minor leagues, Gwinnett continues to play. Uh, they play for a couple more weeks, and then Mississippi has a playoff run, uh, so however long that lasts. So that's going to be kind of how our minor league season is going to wind down. Uh, it's kind of a bummer that this recap, you know, th- this day was kind of coming to an end. This weekend uh, has been particularly challenging with, uh, you know, just weather in general. But I do want to take a moment to thank my staff over on the minor league side, Gary oh, yeah. Gorov. Matt Wayne, there. I can't ask for any other. I can't ask for any better. I just can't. Um, these guys, we recap every single minor league game every single year. We've done it since 2015, and those guys are amazing. They they commit themselves to this every year. Uh, this is certainly the part of the year where we're particularly tired, and you know, kind of looking forward to a little bit of kind of the rest on the recap side of things. Uh, but it'll only be a couple weeks, and then we'll be itching to talk about minor league baseball again. But I just want to you know take some time to thank them for all their hard work. They. They've really grinded the season now, and you know, from the big events like the the draft, and you know, just kind of, you know, dealing with the, our big ranking projects and stuff like that, to just the nuts and bolts, recapping the games each and every day. Uh, they're the best, and I can't thank them enough. I would echo that wholeheartedly. Uh, as and same same to you, my friend, for all the work that you do as well. Uh, it's been I say this all the time on the podcast, but if you're a listener that hasn't heard me say it, uh, I would say much of my minor league knowledge, uh, as small as it is, comes from reading and listening to you guys. I am not a huge consumer of minor league baseball, uh, other than reading our stuff and listening to Road to Atlanta, and uh, I feel like I know more than I uh, used to know uh, about all of this stuff because of you guys, so thank you for your service, and uh, you get that podcast again, free, and uh, all the written content is also free at TalkingChop.com. So, uh, Eric, thank you, my friend, for joining me. Uh, if you have any final thoughts, please feel free to share them, but uh, you can be found at Leprechaun on Twitter, I believe, something like that. <laughs> wow, have already forgotten my Twitter handle. I'm kidding. I, yeah, no, I typed no, it already no, no. on the spot. I go, typed it in the, no, in, the, in, the, in the thing already. I, I, now go ahead and send all of your, all of your Atlanta Falcons and Michigan football takes. Send them to at BT Rolling. Oh, hey, when is the uh, Jesse Franklin five-part retrospective series coming on TalkJump.com? Is that somebody writing that now, or what's going on? When he starts hitting again, how about uh, that? Ah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Listen, there was a lot of fun where he had a home run like every night for three weeks it was fun yeah uh, yeah it was what a ride that was yeah. <laughs> uh thank you sir again sincerely but uh please subscribe to this podcast everybody follow eric's work follow the site's work at talkingchop.com and also at talkingchop on twitter follow me if you'd like to at bt Roland. and once again please subscribe to the show leave five star feedback tell your friends if you have brave fan brave fan friends in your life that do not know about the podcast 
share with them. We really appreciate uh, spreading the word in that way, and hopefully we'll have playoff episodes. I'm not going to jinx it. I'm saying that we're definitely going to have playoff episodes, but hopefully we'll be covering a playoff team in a couple weeks. But until then, we'll be chronicling it all, so subscribe. We'll see you. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.